episode of Real Talk with Benno. I'm lucky enough today to be joined by former Collingwood and Adelaide player Ben Crocker. Ben, how you going, mate? Good, mate. Thanks for having me. No, thanks for coming on. It's been a while in the works, as it seems to be with everyone at the minute trying to get them on here, COVID easing up now. We're all we're all very busy. But what have you been up to, mate? Obviously, we, we chatted not too long ago out at Hurt Locker in Richmond, but let the people know what you're doing there. Um, yeah, so, so still doing um, PT out of Hurt Locker. Um, Obviously, the time that we probably spoke, it was, um, well, I was just kind of entering pre-season for the boys, although we're not too far off entering pre-season, so I um, was lucky enough to have a lot of um, footballers, AFL players um, coming through and doing doing workouts, um, which is stimulating for me because I get to train people that are fit um, and that are kind of at the same level I was and at the same level I want to get back into, so um, no, I really enjoyed doing that. Um, and also it kind of helps with business, which is good because then people kind of see that and they go, oh, if they're doing that, maybe I'll come and have a go at that as well. So, um, yeah, I was lucky enough to do that. Um, it quiets down a little bit with the footballers as they start to enter the season. But, um, yeah, continuing that and uh, just about to get started for my season in the VFL. So, final practice game tomorrow and then next Friday around one. So you got the Tigs tomorrow. We'll speak before you've played Casey, and now you've played um, you played Sandy. We'll talk about Casey game quickly. Um, story that this has been recorded just prior to round one um, on the Wednesday actually with the Dogs and the Days tonight. But tomorrow night, Sam Dockin's back for the Blues. Yeah. I mean, you played with him last mm-hmm. week. How how is he looking then? Yeah, he looks good. Um, I mean, Doc. I think for one thing, just get started. It's, it's just so good to see him back. I am. Um, I got to spend a little bit of time with him um, as a trainer on last year, but um, I saw him a few times when he was going through chemo just in Richmond. So obviously he wasn't 100% fit and healthy then. Um, I remember I spoke to him before the game last week. He said that um, he'd lost all this weight. And obviously that's probably one of the hardest things to do with training is, is trying to put weight back on. And, um, yeah, I think he kind of surprised everyone the way he came out and played. Um, I think he had 38 touches or something. So um, it was really good to play with him, good to see him out there. And he's such a good person. So I think that's one thing that people love to see is good people doing well. Um, so hopefully he can replicate what he did the other week in tomorrow night's clash. Yeah, I think fingers crossed for Dobbs. He's a, he's a great man. He's come a long way. It's an, an incredible story. To think six months ago that mm. he'd be in this position. I spoke to Paddy Cripps last week and he said the same thing. Yeah. That we'd be here talking about Sam Doggy playing AFL football is stunning. Um, back to back to your work quickly. You said you're training AFL players. Obviously, there are a few in there. When I went in, I think still Sol Bottom was in that day. I'd say in a few of the Carlton boys had been down. You obviously you were a trainer player last year. When you when you bring those guys in, does that kind of you see them? You think, oh, look, I want. Is that does that help kind of drive the fire a little bit? Yeah, definitely. Um, I'll probably, yeah, lights a bit of competitiveness in me and if I see what they're doing, I'm like, well, I'm going to do it better. So, um, yeah, it was, it was just interesting kind of bringing them in. So a lot of them don't do this sort of training and I know when I was playing AFL, I, I, I never did um, this style of training with like assault bikes and ski eggs and more hybrid style workouts. Um, so it's just, I found it, really enjoyable for myself but I know like when I get feedback from the boys they say how much it, um, it helps them like as opposed to, to running every day and having to do kind of on leg stuff you can kind of replicate similar fitness um, in a different environment doing different things so I think they 
enjoy that because training um, with footy can get very monotonous. Um, you're doing the same thing every day and um, I think it was just a fresh change for him. I know the day you came in, that workout that we did was, we were cooked, I remember that. We were absolutely cooked. That was, that was genuinely Yeah, and you stayed and watched it as well. Yeah, so. <laughs> you know, I, I was genuinely worried. Yeah. Because yeah. I, didn't, I didn't know anyone was going to be there. Like any, yeah. Like, like, so I came down and took you and Brad. Yeah. Saw Steel there. I thought, oh, this will, oh, this will be awesome. I have a yeah. Steel as well. And yeah, I watched this for half an hour. And, oh, yeah, it was, it was hard. hard. Was so hard. I think like, um, when you see that, and like Steel's elite fitness AFL, he's an elite runner. So when you see blokes like that struggling in these type of workouts, like I think that's what enticed more boys to come in. Seeing other boys doing it going, they're pretty fit, they're, they're fighting that hard. Uh, I want to get to their level of fitness. I'm, I'm going to go and give this a go. Yeah. To put it in the context, I did it 45 for quite a while. Um, and play football, but for those listening, this was their 45 <laughs> side up, yeah, steel side bottom, and it, I'm, I'm sure he's, I'm sure he's a big fan of the show still. But if he if he does, he, he was he was struggling. He was struggling. He was, he was, he was in trouble. <laughs> I took a few photos of, of everyone there, and there's one where still he, he looks straight at the camera, and there's there's resignation. Yeah, there's resignation. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. There's resignation with all the boys when they come in at some point during the workout. <laughs> Has fitness something that's always been kind of part of your drive? Has it always been something you've been passionate about? Or did you kind of, you know, a lot of guys, when you're at AFL level, you're obviously, the, the gym kind of stuff is so regimented and did, you, did that yeah. kind of get you a noodle or is it something you've always had? Um, I always enjoy fitness um, and I always like to think myself as probably one of the boys that was fitter and one of the harder working boys that, um, during my time. Um, I don't know, it just kind of grew on me that the, the older I got, I was kind of like, well, you know, thinking, oh, what, what would you do after footy, or what would you do, what would you study, um, and fitness always popped up. At, I reckon, a point in time, I kind of neglected it and just thought it was more of a thing for, for footy. Um, but even now, like, I, I still think, like, I, I love fitness, but where could I take it? Like, um, I was having a conversation with someone the other day, like, about, you know, how cool it would be to maybe potentially do, like, an internship at an NFL club or something like that, trying to do strength and conditioning and be one of the strength and conditioning coaches with an NFL club or um, something like that. Just something like expanding into another country um, and even another sport. Yeah. Um, I know um, Brad Riddle, the owner of Hurt Locker, he, um, he did multiple years in, in America doing similar stuff and then um, ended up becoming the Storm strength and conditioning coach for a while. So. Um, yeah, I think that's something that interests me. Just something, you know, where you put yourself in an uncomfortable position and you're um, expanding your knowledge in different sports and different countries. Yeah, awesome. Um, touching on, we'll talk about the footy. So obviously, this year kind of seems like a year like no other and West Coast are a great example now of how yeah. COVID type players I'm going to say destined for, to play this week, if not in the yeah. next coming weeks. I know the list have been logged. Can you let the kids Are you on Carlton's top yeah. up list? You yeah. are? Yeah, I am. In that discussion, I know Damien Hardwick was telling the editor here at Zero Digital yesterday that he doesn't know who's on Richmond's top up list. And we can probably tie that with a grain of salt. But when, who did you have your discussions with leading into that kind of betting final? Um, oh, I probably knew that I was going to be on it when it, the first kind of chat started coming out. Um, they were pretty like open with their discussions type thing, but um, yeah, I, I was pretty confident because I mean I'm still kind of talking to the club. Um, they've still got a list spot open. 
Um, personally, I feel like I'm the perfect fit for the club. Um, whether or not they 100% agree or not, um, yeah, I'm, I've said to my coach, I always, I always say to my coach, it's probably annoying me now, um, but I feel like I'm the perfect fit for the club. And That's Daniel O'Keefe. Yeah, Daniel O'Keefe. Yeah, I f yeah, feel like I'm a good fit and could, could gel um, and almost fit in straight away. Um, so, yeah, I think after the season I had last year, um, I just feel like I've got a lot more to give and um, probably more of a diverse player now. I can play deeper, I can play up high as well. So that's probably something that Carlton, in my kind of height range, probably lack a little bit now, especially with McGovern going down back. Um, but, yeah, I mean, with the COVID stuff, um, it's a great opportunity for boys in my... Um, situation to, to get an opportunity again but I mean I think they said that there has to be 16 players out with COVID which probably isn't likely yeah. but um, as we're seeing at the moment with Perth and West Coast you never know yeah. um, so I think they do have like 16 players out with COVID so yeah, I think it's like 16 with COVID you have to and have then a few with injury yeah, yeah, or, so yeah no maybe it's a total of 16 or something so yeah um, it's probably more um, unlikely than likely but that's how I'll play, but um, I've still got my eyes set on mid-year. Um, would love it to be at Carlton, but would also love it to be at any club, to be honest, whoever's willing to give me an opportunity. You were pretty close last year, weren't you? I remember there was a lot of talk that it said, because your VFL, you were superb. Yeah. Not that, the, not that the Blues struggled VFL-wise, but you weren't one of the top contestants, but your year, as a, for an only date forward, was still quite productive. How close were you last year to that big down? Um, oh, I think I was pretty close. Um, I mean, they were really honest with me the whole time, so um, I had a few chats with other clubs as well, but um, yeah, I think obviously it didn't happen. Um, some clubs wanted to see more of something else and some clubs just weren't sure if I was um, kind of a necessary pick. It was probably more of a um, you know, we'd like to pick you if we had more picks, but we don't need you type thing. And I think that's probably where Carlton fell. Um, I think when I spoke to them, I kind of like, you know, if you think you're a really good player um, type thing, but right now we don't actually need you. Like, um, whereas right now we need another Ruckman or we need a, uh, which is still hard to kind of cop sometimes. Like sometimes, you know, you, you go home and you talk like, you know, mates, my mates aren't really, um, the ones that aren't footy players aren't really sporty, so they're always like, well, how come you're not playing type thing? Um, sometimes it's just, oh, I don't know, I can't do any more than what I'm doing at the moment. So, um, I mean, the thing about me is, like, my personality is I'm, I'm like, resilient, but, I, like, I also kind of won't stop at something until I can prove myself that I'll get it, which, you know, sometimes isn't going to work. And, um, but, yeah, I've still got my eyes set on getting picked up again and, um, I'm ready for another big year, whether it's mid-year, which would be great, or end of the year, which would be great as well. Do you find it hard to balance kind of that, you know, yeah, you, 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 like, you probably like playing Carlton VFL and it's been a good opportunity, but you're kind of, it's not a stepping stone, but you do want more. Do you find it hard to kind of switch on sometimes and where if maybe you think, you know, you might have a week where you think, oh, I'm not, I'm not going to get picked up. You think, yeah. I've actually got to switch on here because we're playing a game that, yeah. Know, um, oh yeah, I'd be lying if I said I, I don't get frustrated. I mean, some games last year, um, 
you know, I thought I liked it. I mean, I was really happy with my season. Um, and ultimately, I thought it should have been awarded. Um, I mean, I can understand people saying, oh, you've been picked up twice already, but, um, like, it's sometimes it's hard to read, you know, how you might read an article about one player, you know, reinvigorating their career type thing. Well, like, you know, why can't that happen to a BFL player that's been delisted? Like, people grow as um, individuals, like, outside of footy, as footy players. Like, you keep getting better. Um, and I'm doing the work to make sure that I'm getting that, going that direction. So, um, yeah, it can get frustrating. And, like, I think one thing I've learned out of all this is just, like, the respect you get for the BFL players who work and come and play. Like, um, it's so much different. Like, I'm up at 4am, 4, 4.30 every morning um, to go and train people and go to the gym and stuff like that. And then um, training might not be to the Arvo. So you, you got to, you're up for a, a long, long time. Um, and then you got to go, you know, bring energy to the training sessions and weekends. And um, so that, it can get frustrating, but the um, <clears throat> oh, reality is like, I can't do anything about that at the moment. So I've just got to keep a good mindset and um, stay focused. And um, yeah, I mean, a lot of the stuff outside of footy, you know, making sure you have a balanced lifestyle and all that's probably more important to me now as it was when I was playing AFL. Um, which is probably something that you get, you know, with maturity and age. But, um, yeah, just making sure I'm well balanced and, and have a good mindset going into footy. Yeah, I think that's, I think that's all you can do, right? So, you know, it comes with maturity. And I think you see when you leave the system, the blinkers come off a bit. Mm, yeah, which is unfortunate sometimes, but yeah. it's reality. So, speaking of when you, when you were in the system, you started at Pies. And there's no doubt, um, as someone who couldn't be further from a Collingwood fan, you did seem to have an affection with the Collingwood fans and a connection that happened naturally. Did you feel that as a, as a youngster? Did you feel like the Collingwood fans did have this, whether it's the, the tattoos or the yeah. reminder of you know, yeah. Paul's path, but there seemed to be a real affiliation between you and Yeah. Um, oh, I think probably just because oh, I am who I am. Um, you know, I probably say things I shouldn't say and do things that probably shouldn't be done, but that's just me. I don't even do anything out of malice or to, to hurt anyone's feelings or anything like that. But um, I just think like the experiences that I've had as a teenager with um, everything going on with my dad and stuff, like you, you just learn. I know like my dad would always kind of be like, his philosophy with himself was also just like, be who you want to be. Don't be dictated to by others type thing. So, um, yeah, I was just myself, I was loud and um, I reckon probably when I like spoke about dad with all um, of the fans and um, the people at the club, like people probably get a greater appreciation of who you are and um, an understanding of what you're going through type thing and um, yeah, I don't know, it's just probably put it down to that, just kind of being who I really am and Do you not think afraid to talk to people I don't know and We'll touch on the stuff with your old yeah, man, yeah. and, and um, it's something that definitely took my my interest because my grandma, um, my granddad had it, he passed away, yeah. so my grandma now has dementia, and as much as it, it kills you, it's almost funny at this point with my grandma, she um, yeah. she loves picking stuff up and moving it, and obviously <laughs> yeah. that lasts about five minutes before you realize we've lost something, and it happened at a fox tail remote last yeah. week, she went in, picked it up, yeah. it forward, he goes, you got the remote? <laughs> no, I don't know, yeah. Grandma's it, and we'll yeah. never say that again, but... Uh, how did you cope with you? were quite young. I'm probably in a lucky position yeah. to be. When my granddad had it, I was really young. Yeah. And now grandma, I'm quite yeah. lucky on that. 
How did you deal with you were seven and eighteen at the time? Yeah. How does that how does that impact someone in such an important part of your life? Um oh well I mean, even now like it's hard to come to terms with the fact that um, my dad's passed away and um, it's probably something I don't think I'll come to terms with anytime soon, but um, oh, I don't know, it's yeah, it's strange when you talk about it like at that time of your age, like um, mentally, like I was struggling, but like I wasn't a person who would kind of say that, so I just kind of sucked it up as best I could and um, try to have footy, footy as like a avenue to let steam out type thing. And unfortunately, when things are going well with footy, you can kind of forget the other stuff because you've got something you can pour your attention into. But when footy's not going great, which many well, at Collingwood, there was times where it wasn't. Um, it's hard to kind of divert your attention. Like you go home to a lifestyle that's um, really difficult. Um, we were full-time caring for dad at the moment, at that time. So um, at that point it was, you know, he was still walking and talking and stuff. And, um, you know, he could be at times like quite abusive, like, cause he wouldn't know, you know, sometimes he'd try and hit you and stuff like that. And, um, as an 18 year old, like when you see, you know, your dad trying to hit your mum and stuff like that, it's, it's hard to watch. And, um, especially when you don't really have anyone you could talk to about it. So, um, you know, I think when I kind of came out and told people, things did get easier in terms of not having to hide it. But unfortunately, the nature of the illness is the illness gets worse. So, um, dad would deteriorate. Um, and then um, my time at Collingwood kind of ended up and I was, I was still dealing with all that. And then I went to Adelaide and that's probably when it got the hardest. Um, so COVID hit and I wasn't allowed to come back to Melbourne. So I kind of had a year without seeing him and um, he got really sick at that point. And I just remember like my mum calling me from hospital and um, she would kind of like flip the phone around and like he would have tubes all connected to him. And um, oh, when it's your dad, like it's really hard. My dad was like a massive part of, um, you know, my football journey and even me as a person, like, um, he loved footy and he loved nothing more than seeing um, my brother get drafted to St. Kilda and um, unfortunately probably was just kind of getting sick when I got drafted so he only went to probably two games and one of them was my debut so um, after that he wasn't able to attend and um, I mean that still hurts to this day that you know I feel like he'd be pretty proud of how my year went last year and how I kind of bounced back from things but um, yeah, Adelaide was hard because I was in a city where I didn't really know anyone. Um, I wasn't allowed to go home and I knew that his time was kind of ending. Um, so I think it was kind of hard to deal with um, the fact that I felt like I kind of, in a way, like I was going to leave halfway through the year, but I thought, you know, I've really got to give this a crack. Like this might be one of my opposite chance, last chances. and. Um, at the end of the year, they kind of, well, yeah, they got rid of me and um, unfortunately dad passed away around the same time. So that kind of dealing with that was um, was difficult. Um, I mean, I don't hold any grudges with the club, but, um, you know, I just kind of wish that they could have given me another year or whatever it was to kind of get my head in the right place again. And, um, 
yeah, but that's kind of life. I'm, I feel like all this stuff kind of builds resilience in me and um, I feel like I've got a really good perspective on um, of life and what matters and um, yeah, it's pretty rare that you see me getting angry or um, getting too stressed with something because I've had this kind of stuff happen to me before. Yeah, it's, a, it's an unreal, unreal attitude, man. I, I think, you know, without, without knowing you, I mean, I'm sure you would have wanted you to take that chance to that yeah. yeah. I mean, we want to know the COVID's going to hit me and Yeah, stuff. exactly. You said there that, you know, you felt a bit like you were, you were kind of getting out of dogs. How do you balance, do you think you'll get to a point where you can go, you can accept it, you know, you went to Adelaide, you probably had to do it, and yeah. yes, all right, you lose that time. Or do you think it's something that you are going to look back and think, fuck, if I had the time um, back, I wouldn't go? I definitely had a big conversation, but like, I know um, if dad was, you know, had his say, he would have said stay type thing, and this is what you want to do, and I know that's what he wanted me to do. He wanted me stay to in for yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's just sometimes frustrating when you, you think, um, you know, could the club have not just given me another year to, to kind of get my head around being in a new city and, and dealing with all this stuff, because, um, yeah, obviously my focus wasn't primarily on football and um, I still think I actually was okay when I was there. So it wasn't like I was in the bottom two players of the team. I was still played almost half the season or around that, around eight games, whatever it was. And um, Yeah, I mean, like I said, you can't think about that stuff forever because that's what will kind of piss you off and bring you down. So um, I'm still thankful for my time there and the experience I had living away from home and meeting new people. I wouldn't, wouldn't have met people um, otherwise. And, you know, I've formed really good friendships with players that are still there, Lockie Murphy, Tex Walker. Um, so I wouldn't have had that if I hadn't gone. So you just, you, you look at the more positive things, I think it's probably better. Yeah, 100%. Did you have chats with them in that year where, you know, obviously you would, they would have known and it wouldn't be. So yeah. did you have chats about, you know, that kind of saying, hey, I'm not at my best for obvious reasons? Like, did, were those discussions on yeah, the or, um, or did you try and kind of, you know, push I definitely, off? at the start of the year, I, I let people know, but as the season kind of went on, it was... Look, it was really difficult in Adelaide because we were getting belted every week. The club was under fire with certain things that had happened. The camp was still an issue. Certain players had gotten in trouble. Um, new coach, new football GM. Um, it, it was hard, you know. It's not like... Um, and, like, for me, I didn't want to use it as an excuse as to why I might not be performing at the level they wanted or... Um, and it's hard kind of opening up to people that don't necessarily know you. Like at Collingwood, I'd already spent two years there, three years there. So like, you know, I was with people every day. They already had a pretty good understanding of who I was. Um, and, you know, you're in Melbourne, so they have the opportunity to meet your family type thing. Whereas over there, not so much. That opportunity wasn't there. And with COVID, um, you obviously couldn't bring them over and, and do that type of stuff. So... Um, no, it wasn't as easy to open up um, to Adelaide people, but luckily for me, I lived with um, Goldie, Tyson Goldsack, and his wife Chelsea and the two little girls, so I was really close with Goldie at Collingwood, so I kind of had that to lean back on, and um, if I didn't have that, I don't know what year it would have been for me, because um, that was kind of the comfort for me, having people that were really close to me and kind of knew what was going on. Yeah, that's that's also I think you need that, especially when you make yeah, a move. Yeah. I mean, to another state, <laughs> no, no, no yeah. idea. Um, 
back to the Pies, you worked under Bucks, who mm-hmm. obviously left pretty tomorrow, oh, pretty tomorrow, so you could say, yeah. uh, 2020, or oh, the end of sorry, last year. Um, I, I personally am a massive Bucks fan. I think the man is unbelievably mm-hmm. insightful. What was it like working under, you know, under him, but also you work under a club legend at the club? Yeah, exactly. Club. Yeah. What was it like? Oh, it was awesome um, getting drafted. I used to go for Collingwood, so obviously I'd grown up um, being a massive Pies fan and a massive Bucks fan. And, um, I think when I first got there, I mean, I was, I'm a very different type of person. I'm very loud, I'm very confident. Um, so I think he kind of adapted to me as a person really well. And um, I mean, there's always going to be times with coaches where you you know, when he dropped me, um, he's not going to be my favourite person and he definitely wasn't, you know, a lot of the time when I was there, but um, a lot of the time as well, you, you kind of sit down with him and I, I still catch up with him now. I've gone for walks with him around the town and um, you can, well, I mean, if he didn't care about me as a person, he wouldn't be doing that. So, um, yeah, I think even watching um, him on, on Celebrity, like, I feel like that was kind of like the true Bucks. Like, and I know, like, I was, I was watching that show with mum and the group would often refer to him as, like, dad of the group, like, the real caring individual. And um, I think sometimes it can get masked with being a coach because you've got an obligation to be professional as opposed to being everyone's mate. And I think sometimes that can shadow someone as a person a little bit. But um, my experiences with him were, were really good and, um, yeah, I still talk to him to this day, so... Um, yeah, it was, it was pretty grateful to have him as a coach and um, I think he's at peace with what's happened um, at the club and um, he's going to have no issues moving on to other stuff. So Yeah, I think well, he's a brilliant media player. Yeah, he's, he's, like, like, he's a really good talker. It was one thing I always kind of admired about him is like he could capture a room quite easily. Yeah, and I think, I mean, I'm sure you'll coach again somewhere. He's too yeah, good he definitely will, to, I think. To be lost to the game. Maybe um, the new Tassie team. <laughs> Um, well, there was there was talk of, of him going to Carlton. Send him down to Hobart. <laughs> when, when he was when he was talking of going to Carlton, were you thinking oh, if, if he comes? Yeah, well, I didn't know if that was good or not. Maybe that's not good. <laughs> so I didn't know. Um, you mentioned that he wasn't always your favourite because he drops him, as you said. Yeah, coaches got players, and yeah, we, we all we all hate that. Um, you missed out on the twenty eighteen grand final. You you played pretty well. I think you had a good body of work leading to that, but you probably played in a position where the pies were quite blessed yeah. with that mid-size fall. Yeah, I think I played half the year that year. Yeah. That's probably my best year that how, year. How do you feel, I mean, obviously you missed a grand final, yeah. like, how do you feel such a boring question, but what does it feel like when, you know, this is all happening around you, it's all encompassing, yeah. even the whole final series, because that yeah. prelim was yeah, the same like grand final. I think that's kind of when the feeling really kicked in, like I, I thought I had pretty good year that year and was lucky enough to play I think I played 15 games out of the season or something like that um, but that like you know it's, it's a hard situation for me because like there's an element of jealousy which is I, I don't care if people you know I always hear people saying oh, I was really proud of them yeah you, you were and I was as well I was so happy that we were in the grand final but there was a massive element of jealousy why am I not playing I wish I was playing I'd do anything to play but at the same time you've got all these mates that you're like how good is this? Like I get to see my best mates, Brayden Maynard, Steel Sider, and all these boys playing in grand final. Um, and especially like the story for Bucks was was cool because he'd been getting smashed in the media the year before, I think it was. And 
um, to, you know, kind of bounce back like that was just such a good story. And we had a doco following us the whole year as well, which was just coincidence. Um, so a massive element of jealousy, especially in that prelim, like the crowd was nuts. I remember watching it, um, sitting there and it was just crazy. Like we absolutely belted Richmond. Um, and then going into the grand final, um, same thing, you know, so happy for everyone, but at the same point, you're like, I'll do anything to play today. Um, and I actually got gastro halfway through the game. So at halftime, I, I, um, at the start of the game, I kind of said to us boys, like, we prefer the boys who aren't, um, playing to not drink, you know, blah, blah, blah. But I snuck a few champagnes in upstairs and, um, Chris Tan and Benny Johnson are up in the, the, um, kind of like the members forum or whatever they were doing, yeah. lunch and whatever. And I remember sitting down and I was like, oh, I'm not feeling too good. And Max Lynch had had gastro that week. And at half time, I was throwing up everywhere in the toilets downstairs and I was lying on the massage table with like four jumpers on shivering. So I got gastro at half time, missed the um, grand final night, like the, um, I wouldn't say it was a celebration, but the yeah. event we had. And then I missed the next five days. The first day I got to see the boys again was the mad Monday we had. So it was literally a week after. So my grand final day post was terrible. I was about to say, when you, when you feel the crooked up soul, you're starting to think, I better not fucking win this, because well, I'm not there. Yeah, that's the thing. And like, I remember putting my suit on after the game, and I just thought, there is no way I can come to this. Like, I was throwing up everywhere. So I was like, I was shattered. Because like you want to spend time with everyone because everyone was distraught. Like, and it's not just the players that play, like everyone plays a role at some point. There were boys that, like myself, who played half the year. There were boys who played five games, 10 games, boys who just came in for a few like um, games leading towards the end of the season. So everyone had their role to play, but um, that potentially could have been my role again in the post-game celebration. So I um, unfortunately missed them. Um, before the gastro hits and when everything's moving normally, you kick the first five of that. How do you feel getting that jealousy when five goals in the first quarter? Yeah. Is, that, is there an element? Because I've been dropped from local football and you sit there and you think, oh, not tonight. Yeah. When you get the first five and the Jay stump and what, what are those emotions like? Because sure, you're thrilled for the fellas. Yeah, well, I remember like Geordie kicked a few awesome goals as well and the crowd went nuts and... Um, yeah, I remember I was sitting with like Adam Oxley and Jared Blair and um, those boys. And like, you look at Blair and that, that for me was hard because like, he was just so universally loved at that club and had obviously been there for 11 years or whatever and played in the 2010 grand final. So you look at boys like that and, um, you know, you kind of feel for them. Well, I definitely felt for Blair and um, when we first kicked the first five goals, I mean, all of us were just thinking like, we've won. We've already won this. Um, so it's just the same thing, you're like, oh man, imagine if I was a premiership player, like I could have been a premiership player type thing. And um, then half time was kind of like the complete opposite. They came back and um, a few of those topical scenarios with Braden Maynard getting held or whatever, I think that'll always in the Dom Sheet goal, that'll kind of always be the, the one thing. If you're going to think about that grand, grand final, that'll be yeah. what's the one thing you remember. But um, yeah, it's, it was like a mix of emotions that whole game. At one point you think we've won, 
then you're thinking, oh, shit, what are we doing tonight? Like, these boys are going to be premiership players. Like, how, how cool is that? And then to, well, I was downstairs throwing up. <laughs> I was watching up off of the TV, but thinking, oh, no, like, we're probably going to lose this now. Um, so, yeah, a mix of emotions. And I wasn't even playing, so imagine what it would have been like for the boys that were playing. I think it's, it's, it's always worse when you're not playing. Yeah. You don't have that element of yeah. influence and, and you can't do anything about it. Um, you spoke about things that happened in that game. You mentioned Bucks being a father figure. I had Alex Woodward here not too long ago. Oh, yeah, yeah, about yeah. His yeah. incident in that, in that game and how Bucks kind of put the arm around him. Um, you mentioned that father, father figure kind of role and, I mean, you can see that from a mile away with Bucks. Was there anything ever like that with you? Because you would have told him a lot of what was going yeah. on yourself. Did you ever have anything like that with Bucks where he kind of played that role for you? Yeah. Um, I mean, Bucks de- like definitely grew each year as a, as a coach, but, but more so as a person. I think he was quite stern and um, probably carried a lot of the characteristics he played with as a coach, and that probably necessarily wasn't going to work because... Um, he had 45 players that he was having to deal with and those 45 players are drastically different in the way they go about things and who they are as people. And um, I think he probably struggled earlier on as a coach, but um, with me, uh, or like when I was there, yeah, you could see each year kind of developed um, probably a more caring and more ability to talk to different individuals. And um, I know there was times like with, the whole dad situation, there was times where I like would just, I, I broke down and he was, um, he was pretty comforting and, um, you know, always kind of had the philosophy of kind of family first and, um, take care of that before you kind of take care of football and, um, yeah, I mean, I definitely have, couldn't say, um, anything bad about the way he dealt with me and what was going on. He, he did everything in his power and, um, Jeff Walsh, was really good at that time as well. He was um, really supportive and um, the whole club was, but when you see key figures like that um, kind of reaching out and, and bending over backwards to help, um, yeah, it makes your time and makes things a little bit um, easier than what they were. Yeah, for sure. And I think it's, it's awesome to hear the, those figures. I said, Buffalo yeah. more so being public, but Walsh as well. Yeah, Walsh is probably more behind closed doors. But yeah, yeah, Walsh was really good. It's always good to hear that um, these people that we kind of, or these, these things, these yeah. sports stars or whatever you want to call them that we say, that, that human side of it. I yeah, important. yeah, I agree. Um, talking about, you know, quickly, you've spoken terrifically about it. How close, how close were you guys? I mean, I think you said how proud you would have been of what you've been able to yeah. do now. But yeah, um, yeah take us in how close you were going, man. Um, well, when I was younger, um, extremely close. Like, um, two boys, me and my brother Sam, um, both were really sporty. And um, I think I was probably more of the troubled kid, most getting into trouble and uh, do things and say things I shouldn't. And, um, was probably lucky in that sense that I got more attention from my parents because they probably had to monitor me more than what they had to with Sam. But um, yeah, it was it was really good growing up because Dad was um, really sporty himself. He was a um, really talented cricket player and footy player. Um, so he went and played district cricket in England and um, was a really talented footy player, uh, country footy player as well. And, um, obviously kind of passed those talents on to me and Sam and um, pretty much was there every step of the way from Auskick to um, 
TAC. Um, uh, we always used to get in arguments because he'd always have his two cents of, of how I played and how he thinks I should play. And um, you look back at that now and you just laugh and you're like, it's just like the, the memories you have as a, as a young kid playing. And um, yeah, I think the older I got, like he did a lot of like one-on-one stuff with me. Like I know my teachers would always be like, um, you know, like spend more time on, you know, doing a bit more, put more homework as opposed to coming to the school because I used to live across the road and they had an oval and I used to go there after school and kick the footy with dad for like two hours and, and do my running and stuff like that with him there. And um, <clears throat> I think that's kind of like the hardest thing about this whole situation is like the more I got closer to playing AFL was kind of as he got sick and became less a part of the journey. So um, there's absolutely no doubt that I wouldn't have made it to where I am if I didn't have um, the father that I had and um, yeah, it was really supportive the whole way and um, you know, I know how proud he would be that I got picked up at Collingwood and then picked up again and um, then after everything was able to win the best and fairest last year at Carlton and um, yeah, have a pretty good year. So um, there's always going to be sadness and I, I think it's sad from family as well that he's not around to see it and because um, you just know like he'd be at every game he'd come to trainings he'd do all of that so in that sense it's hard for me because he's not there but um, yeah I mean all the memories I have and um, like I think a lot of the the reason I am who I am like I've developed into a, to a person I'd like to think is a pretty good person and um, it's because of dad and all the stuff I went through and um, if you to take any positive out of um, what happened and the shitty circumstances was that I was able to um, build resilience and um, yeah kind of become a person that I'm proud of being yeah absolutely mate you should be I think you um, you said your dad always gave his two cents and yeah I think my, my man was the same he coached me in juniors so now I think I won a flag under 19s we won by 80 points yeah but I kicked one on the full and then <laughs> got in the car 18 was like yeah, I'm going to get blown like all the boys and he turned around and he said hey, hey you kicked up the full <laughs> well, yeah I was, was like uh, yeah. I didn't care yeah so we were, I was laughing but yeah, yeah. so I didn't <laughs> I can kind of, I can kind of, yeah. it, it's, it's just how I think dads are. They I always, think that is how dads are. Like, yeah, it's the way they care. Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, touch on your exit from the pies. Um, probably a bit of a shock. Definitely was, I think, to the outside footy world. I mean, I think you'd, you'd kind of, not fallen out of favour, but you'd seemingly yeah, have yeah, a locked in yeah, spot. Yeah. But it still seemed like, I think you're only 21, 22. Yeah. Seemed like you had time ahead. What was that, that meeting like? Because obviously we saw yeah. Nathan Blair before we yeah. his interview was in that doco. Well, what was yours like and what are those meetings like? Because I think they're things that, for those of us on the outside, yeah, you don't see. Are, they're probably yeah. the most interesting. They're, um, they're definitely not the meetings you want to be a part of. Um, so with me, I, I was kind of in the same thing. I, I, I struggled to lock down a spot, but I, in my opinion, I thought I was probably the next best player available. So... I thought, well, most of the time during that, in my D, the year I was there, they said I was the 23rd man. So I was the next player, the next emergency. Um, so you kind of look at that and you're like, well, you know, could you have done a little bit more to work with or, um, you know, develop me in another area or another position? Or, um, But yeah, the, the meeting was, I was in talks with the club throughout the year and kind of, you know, 
we're not sure where we're going to land in terms of contracts with you, blah, blah, blah. And, um, I think what you learn now is the later that goes into the season, the more strife you're probably in. If you're not locked down um, by the time um, finals gets around, you're probably in that bracket of them not sh being sure what they're going to do. Um, um, and I think kind of, I feel like clubs weren't really delisting and then rebooking players as much then, whereas it seems to happen a lot now. Players get delisted and the club will just rebook them. So um, I think that was probably what I was looking to go for, maybe just to be delisted and rebooked again. Um, they obviously thought else. Um, I had other thoughts about what they wanted to do and. Um, the meeting itself was pretty hard because you kind of I was waiting in Tarkin Lockyer's office and I kind of thought to myself I'm about to get delisted and that's five years of your life. Um, so I remember I went in and I, th I remember Buck saying like this is one of the hardest things I've had to do and um, one of the hardest players you know to kind of get rid of and you're such a good character around here and this is really hard to do but we're we're not going to offer you another contract and you kind of sit there and you're like you don't really know what to say. I was just kind of sat there and um, you have kind of like Bucks, Walshie, um, Tarks, VFL coach, Jab Rivers, all those guys in there. And I remember like I just hugged everyone after it and um, kind of walked out into my car. And I reckon that was like the first time I've really cried about footy, kind of like I remember I just sat in my car and kind of like essentially didn't wasn't you know bawling my eyes out was sitting there crying and in the car park and just kind of like um, what am I going to do now and um, yeah you just kind of sit it's almost like a feeling of like you don't there's no feeling if that makes sense yeah. like I just sat there and yeah it was kind of like hands in my head in my hands and I was getting text messages from boys being like oh do you want to go get something there like how'd your meeting go type thing and I was kind of like, oh, I got delisted, and they're like, what? I was like, yeah, I got delisted. So um, that's kind of, it was hard to deal with. And I reckon it took me like a good year and a bit. Um, even when I was at Adelaide, like I still miss Collingwood. Like they're the guys that you um, built teenage friendships with like 18, 19, going into your 20s. Um, and like I went through so much with a lot of those boys and like a lot of them are still some of my best mates to this day. And, um, I think when you realise that that doesn't change, you become more comfortable yeah. with things. Like a lot of it at the start was like, well, am I still going to be mates with some of these guys? Like, and there's obviously going to be boys that you don't see as much, but that's just reality of life. But um, yeah, it's it's something that the outside world don't see. And I reckon when I saw that Jared Blair thing again, like it made me emotional again, 